Hey there, I'm Micah and I'm the host of the She Pursues podcast. This podcast is designed to encourage and equip faith-based women who want to take an active role in developing their spiritual, physical, and mental health. You can expect meaningful conversations, interviews, solo episodes that provide biblical truth and insight, tangible takeaways, professional advice, resources, and more. Be sure to follow or subscribe to the podcast to be notified of new episodes. And if you leave a review, I will be eternally grateful. Reviews help keep the podcast visible, which gets this message out into the world. Well, I am excited to talk about comparison today because I got pretty fired up about it just as I was preparing um, this message for you. Um, comparison is the thief of joy. Um, you've probably heard that quote before, and that is by Teddy Roosevelt. Now, just to be honest, I actually thought that was a verse for a long time. And then when I was looking for it, I couldn't find it and realized it was just a quote. Um, but there are plenty of um, scriptures and stories in the Bible that show that that is a true statement. It really is the thief of joy. It takes the joy out of, um, you know, knowing our identity in Christ and um, really finding the joy in the plan and purpose that God has for us because we're focusing on um, what everyone else has and what we don't and what we are lacking. And we've talked about comparison a little bit in the first um, few episodes. And so I don't want to necessarily repeat things that have been already said, uh, but there's so much more to say about it. And so um, I want to go through some uh, stories and some scriptures and then give you, um, of course, those steps at the end of steps you can take to really um, work on this issue if you feel like it's something that you are struggling with. So I really feel like comparison is ingrained in our culture and society. So if you think back to when you were a kid in school, we had things like our test scores and our grades that we could compare each other to. Um, maybe you even had adults in your life who compared, you know, you to your sibling or you to their friend's kid who seemed to like excel in everything they did or whatever it might be, right? But those are all worldly outside successes. Like just because you have um, good grades or you're a 4.0 student doesn't mean that you'll will turn into like a responsible adult, you know, or it doesn't mean that your heart is right with the Lord, right? Which is what matters the most. Um, so as we become adults, you know, that changes to things like our job title, our income level, our house size, um, all, all of that, um, you know, to share kind of a personal example, even though, um, you know, I may PR a race, um, but someone is probably going to run that race faster or better, or, um, you know, there's always gonna be someone with like something better <laughs> than you have, like if that's the game you want to play. Um, and that's the thing is like, there's never an end to it there will always be someone or something to compare to unless we choose to put an end to it ourselves and really explore um, what's in our own hearts. So the thing about comparison is I can kind of take you back to that verse, first Samuel 16, seven, where it says the man looks out, the man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We typically see the best in others because we're looking at the outward appearance or we're often comparing our outward appearance and so not just in looks but in just you know the worldly successes we see the worst in ourselves because we know what's on the inside we know how we feel we know um, what we're experiencing and we don't necessarily see that behind the happy smiling face photo right we don't see the fact that that family might be about ready to fall apart when they look like they have it together on the outside we may not see that couple who has regular date nights 
that, um, you know, they're on the verge of divorce or whatever that may be. Like we don't see what's behind the closed doors. Um, that, that, um, quote or phrase, the grass isn't always greener on the other side. is so true, right? Like even if it does look a little greener, we don't know, um, until we like jump the fence and get over there that there's like a whole lot of dog crap in their yard. Like there's no way to see that. And so we're comparing things that we, um, can't see. But even then, like we're still comparing, we're still looking at everyone else and we're not looking at our own life. We're not looking at the blessings and the gifts that God has given us. And so even if we look at someone else and think, okay, they could have stuff going on behind those closed doors. Like, why are we looking at other people? Why are we still comparing? Why are we still, um, you know, measuring ourselves up to someone else when that's not what we're called to do? So to kind of just remind you of um, episode three, when I had, uh, when I interviewed Pastor Aaron, one of the things he said uh, when we talked about comparison was that the enemy wants us to find ourselves lacking. So if we are always comparing ourselves to other people and we're dwelling on what they have and what we don't, we will not have the opportunity to live, um, live out this life God's called us to, right? Or to be who we're called to be because we're always going to be striving for what someone else has or what we think might be best based on what other people are doing. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of bring that up again to say, like, just to repeat it, because it needs to be repeated. Living in comparison, playing the comparison game is essentially agreeing with the enemy that you are lacking something when God says that you're not. So who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the enemy? Or are you going to believe God and, um, you know, who he's called you to, what he's called you to, and so on. So I want to start by sharing just a couple of um, stories from scripture about when we see comparison uh, play out and what that meant for these um, individuals in the Bible. So we see an example of comparison really early on in the Bible, um, and that is the story of Cain and Abel. So if you're not that familiar with the story, um, Cain and Abel were, were the two sons of Adam and Eve. Um, and Cain was the oldest, and then Abel was um, the youngest. So um, in chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verse 2, um, it says, Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Um, so the story goes on um, and I'll read um, verse, oh, where is it? Verse six in a little while, but the story goes on to where Cain um, kills his brother Abel, right? So he um, sees his brother have this blessing. He's essentially doing the same thing about bringing the sacrifices to God. And, um, and his face is downcast, right? He's angry that he's not getting, um, you know, the favor from the Lord for his offering. And it's not like super clear from that passage, um, like what kind of offering he, he was bringing. Like it says that Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil. Um, and it says pretty, like, just sounds like here's some fruit, you know? Um, and then when it talks about Abel, it talks about how he brought like the fat portions from some of the firstborn. Um, so it, the Bible talks a lot about giving God like our first fruits. And so it's, it's hard to know, but maybe Cain had, you know, he was sacrificing 
um, what wasn't that important to him, or maybe he wasn't sacrificing the best of the best, um, or he could have just been doing it with a heart that wasn't really in it. Like he just did it because he had to versus doing it out of, you know, a love for the father. And so, um, going back to verse six, um, it says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. And then the next verse goes on to say that, you know, Cain took his brother out in the field and murdered him. Um, and so I think the thing about comparison is like you're, you're caught up in this game. And God says, you know, the enemy is crouching at your door. He's looking for like a way to get in and you have to rule over that. And so, you know, even when we think something as flippant as, you know, oh man, like her muscles are really nice. So like this little seed is planted when we start to compare ourselves to someone else. And then that seed, you know, we can rule over that and be like, yeah, she has nice muscles, but I'm not in a place right now where I can commit to lifting like that. And I enjoy running anyway. So, you know, I can just kind of be like, whatever about it. Or if that seed starts to grow and I really start to get down on myself, then that's when, um, the enemy like is, can come in. Right. So he's always there. He's always crouching. He wants us to feel like we're lacking. Um, and he's going to find any way he can kind of like get in there. And so I think just that a story of Cain and Abel, like it really shows where Cain's heart was. Um, and there's another verse in Psalm 101, five that says, whoever slanders his neighbor secretly, I will destroy whoever has a haughty look and an arrogant heart. I will not endure. Right. So even if you're not like acting out on this, like even if you think it in your heart, God sees that and he doesn't want that for you. Like he wants you to know how he feels about you and how he thinks about you. Um, and not to be like fighting for the blessing or the gift of anyone else. So we have the power to rule over that. Um, but we have to recognize that that sin is crouching out our door, right? The enemy's crouching at our door. Um, so another example that we find in the Bible is the story of Leah and Rachel. So I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, um, but you can find it in Genesis chapter 29 and then chapter 30 as well. Um, so Leah and Rachel were sisters. Jacob loved Rachel and he worked for her for seven years and ended up, um, like if he worked seven years, he could marry Rachel was the deal with her dad. And so once he worked those seven years, he went to marry Rachel well, his dad actually tricked Jacob or her dad <laughs> tricked Jacob into marrying Leah. And so he ends up marrying Leah when he thought he was marrying Rachel. And he was like, well, you can have Rachel too if, um, if you work another seven years. So I know it sounds like totally dysfunctional, but <laughs> who knows? This was like way back when. Um, so Jacob was married to both Leah and Rachel. Um, Rachel, he loved, right? Rachel was the one that he loved. Um, he did not love Leah, but Leah gave him children. And so um, Leah birthed child after child, but never truly had the love of Jacob. But every time after she had a child, she would say and like pray that um, that Jacob would love her. Like, I gave him a child. Maybe he'll love me now. I gave him a child. Maybe he'll love me now. Um, so Leah had essentially started to make an idol out of being loved and accepted by her husband. And then on the other hand, Rachel could not have children, right? So every time Leah had a child, she would like, I could imagine, like, that's a hard situation. You see someone else having a baby 
and you, you were like, well, why, like, why can't I have one, you know? And so it's, she harbored this resentment against Leah. And so she had started to make this idol out of not being able to have children. And so for both of the sisters, for both Leah and Rachel, those two things, right? The love of, um, the love of a husband and, you know, the, the blessing of a child, um, both are good things, right? But they had begun to define and determine their identities by these things, right? And they harbored resentment toward each other. They harbored unforgiveness toward each other. Um, they both compared what the other had and what they each lacked and then began to resent each other and even grow bitter towards God. So, you know, our situation again, like may not be that, you know, you and your sister are married to the same man, like not like, let's not take it literally, but you know, are we holding some resentment? Even if like, so for example, let's say you see your friend and I know this is a really tough topic, but let's say you see your friend have baby after baby after baby and you're like, you want a baby and you have not been blessed with that yet. Like it would be so easy to see that, to see that friend, um, have these children. Right. And you're like, why God, like, why have you not blessed me with this? So even if we're not holding that resentment toward that friend, we're holding resentment toward God because we want the blessing that they have. Whereas if we were to, you know, cling to God's promises and, you know, not allow that to, you know, make us feel bad about our own situation. Like we have to trust God that he has our best in mind. Like it all goes back to trusting him. And even if, if our situation seems really difficult or really hard or really like why God is my life like this, like he's in control and he is trustworthy and he has, like his promises don't end. You know what I mean? So, so we just have to be able to trust him in those situations and not let that resentment build up or that bitterness, even if it's toward God. So, um, not really a topic I plan on talking about, um, in this, but, um, I think just with any situation, you know, like that, whether it's, um, you know, a spouse or just a tough situation at work, we can easily find other people who have what we want, but we need to be looking at God and what he um, what he has for us and, and what he has designed for us and then just trust him with that. So, so those are the couple of stories that I feel, um, kind of, you know, bring up that comparison topic. And again, they all relate to kind of back to our identity, who God made us to be. Um, and the enemy is going to attack that and to crouch in on it. So kind of moving forward into the new Testament, um, first Corinthians four, seven says for who sees anything different in you, what do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So the truth is that God has given you everything that you need for the plans he set before you. Um, right. That's the truth. So going back to the truth of God, going back to, um, you know, trusting and believing in his promises, the truth of his word says, and James was 17, that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow. Um, and then to kind of continue on in James, he gets a little like harsh, right, in this spot um, in James chapter 3, 14 to 16. He said, but if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, air quotes, wisdom does not come down from heaven, but as earthly, 
unspiritual and demonic. For where you have envy and selfish, selfish ambition, there you find disorder. So to kind of summarize here, like those seeds of resentment, I feel like um, I'm going to back up a little bit because I feel like the words envy and um, and like you know hatred or um, resentment, like they kind of they kind of are strong words, right? And so I think sometimes we're like, oh, I don't really feel that way you know, toward other people, but, um, but we have to be careful of like the seeds in there that can grow into something bigger, right? So if we're comparing or comparing, if we're comparing, um, right, that's a tiny little seed. And if seeds are, um, watered, right, if we continue to compare, those will grow, right? So they grow into seeds of resentment. They grow into seeds of frustration or discouragement, maybe unforgiveness. Um, they can grow into seeds of selfish ambition. So they may even cause you to, maybe you have like all the love for that person, but now you have this, this selfish ambition, like you're working for something that is not necessarily what God has called you to work for. Um, and so like that kind of grows in, or that seed can grow into like a whole number of things. And so that's where we have to be um, careful at like catching comparison and like surrendering that to God and get out of the game because that can grow into so much worse than maybe what, what it starts with. Right. And I think we know this, you know, from other, other sins that can enter our life of like, don't let the devil get a foothold because like once he gets a foothold, he can open the door wide open. Right. And so we want to guard our hearts in that area to not let those seeds be planted and to not be watering, um, those seeds. So I'm going to take a break real quick to, so you guys can hear from our sponsor. And then I'm going to come back with um, five steps that you can take um, to root out this seed of comparison. All right. So here are the five steps that you can take if you are struggling in this area or even if you just want to be able to protect yourself from it. Um, right. So again, if you're just wanting to like get the seeds out that might be there or, you know, prevent those seeds from being planted. Um, so these are really in no particular order, um, but step number one is to start with gratitude. So when we are grateful for the things that we have in life, um, we are going to feel more blessed, right? It's going to help us focus on what God has blessed us with um, or what he's going to bless us with versus what we are lacking, right? And that's what the enemy wants is for us to think that we are lacking, um, but we're not. And so I think where some people get stuck on gratitude is they... they feel like it's fake, right? There might be so much going on in their life that is is not good. And so you can easily think like, well, yes, I'm grateful for this, but like this still sucks, right? But if we focus on the suck all the time, we're going to be like stuck in it. We need to ha- we need to shift our focus on um, the truth of the word of God, on the promises of God, on what he has blessed us with um, and focus our energy toward that. And then out of that, like flows more abundance. So a um, couple ways you can like include gratitude into your like daily routine or whatever it might be um, is a gratitude journal. So you can do this in the morning, you can do it in the evening or even both and just write down like five to 10 things that you're grateful for. So I have recently started doing this in the morning and in, well, I've done it in the morning for a while, but recently started doing it in the evening as well. So in the morning, um, I kind of tend to say a lot of the things in the morning, like I'm grateful that, um, 
that I slept well, right? I'm grateful that I woke up this morning. I'm grateful for um, my warm robe because it's so cold. I'm grateful for my coffee. Um, you know, or I may even be lots of other things. Like I'm grateful for like this podcast I get to record today, whatever it might be. And then and in the evening, it kind of forces me to look back on my day. Like what am I grateful for that happened throughout the day? I'm grateful for this like conversation I had with my husband or um, I'm grateful I had like this special moment reading with my kid whatever it might be. Um, but when we like approach life with this attitude of gratitude, we're much more positive or much more, um, you know, focused on the good that God has given us versus, you know, again, what we lack. Um, another option is to post gratitude statements throughout the house. So we do this with, um, with quotes a lot and I haven't changed haven't changed out our quotes in a while, um, but I'll usually put quotes around the house that have to do with like something I'm dealing with right now, right? So if I were dealing with um, this issue of comparison, I would post little verses or scriptures that have specifically to do with comparison and post them around the house. Um, but you could, for gratitude, you could do, you know, things in your kitchen like. I'm grateful um, that I have food to feed myself and my family, right? I'm grateful that I get to work with my hands and create this for, you know, meal or whatever for my for myself and my family. Um, I'm grateful that I have running water. Um, I'm grateful that I have, um, you know, a car and tools, whatever it might be in the garage. So you can post those little statements up throughout the house. Another, I guess, recommendation for that is to, um, and again, I don't really do this in the morning, but think about things that you would maybe not normally be grateful for, right? So um, remembering to look at the silver linings, something that seems like it's a struggle or um, seems difficult or something that you're not really grateful for. What part of that can you be grateful for? We grow and we learn through, um, through our failures. We learn and grow through the things that are not going well, right? We always come out on the other side. There's always a new season, um, so the season you're in right now will come to an end. So how can you be grateful for that? Or maybe it's even something you've already gone through, like you've already walked through the fire. Let's be grateful for that season. Another thing you can do is engage in gratitude. So this is kind of taking it a step past writing it and saying it and, and thinking about it, um, but it's engaging in it. So um, telling your family that you're grateful for them. How are you showing them that? Are you telling them that? Are you spending time with them? Are you um, treating them with respect, right? Because you can write down and say, yeah, I'm grateful for my family. But if you go home every night and treat your family like crap, are you really grateful for them? You know, so let's live it out. Let's write it down and then let's live it out also. So the gratitude will help you focus on what you already have in your own life. Um, And we just, we have to be more grateful. Or we have to be grateful for more than really what, what meets the eye. So um, be intentional with that practice and think about the things that maybe don't come to mind um, right away. And it'll help you see your life in kind of a whole, you know, whole new way. All right, number two is to simply recognize comparison. So you can ask yourself, like, am I considering God and others first before myself? Or am I always bringing it back to me? right? Like if you see someone else succeeding in something that you really want to succeed in, right? Are you automatically turning your eyes back on you and on God of like, why do I not have that? You know, or why can I, why am I not there yet? Why do I not have this? You know, or are you actually considering God 
and trusting his promise? Are you actually considering this other person and maybe being happy for what they've accomplished or for what they have in their life and what they have, you know, to be joyful about? So you can kind of ask yourself that, like, am I considering God and others first or am I considering me? Um, So just asking that. The other question you can ask is, am I comparing and feeling um, angry, bitter, and jealous? Or am I inspired? So I want to talk about that for a little bit because, um, you know, we can hop on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, and we can be inspired by what other people are doing, right? And that's why sometimes I share my story with running on my Instagram feed because, um, I mean, one, I just enjoy it, but I also want to encourage other people to be active. Um, I want to encourage other people by showing them like what's possible. So for example, um, I should have like written down names to make this more of a real story, but it's, it's real, I promise. Um, but basically up until I can't remember what year, the four minute mile had never been done before. Right. And before it was ever done, like the consensus was like, well, yeah, like your heart would explode out of your chest. So everyone was afraid to actually run this four minute mile. Well, once it was actually done, more people did it, more people followed because they were like, oh, this is possible. I can do this. And so it's okay to be inspired to be like, wow, if they can do it, I can do it. Or, um, you know, Hey, that's really cool. They went on all these like, you know, hikes or runs or whatever it might be. Like I talk about hiking a lot cause I love it. Um, but you know, but are we like thinking, Oh, it's, they're so lucky they get to, you know, just walk out their door and they're in their mountains. And I'm sitting here in like the flatlands of the Midwest. I promise I do have a love for Kansas in, in one way or another. Um, I've been pretty kind of rude about Kansas on this podcast so far. There are plenty of things I love about it. Um, you know, but are you, um, are you happy for them that they, they get to do that? Are you inspired by it? Um, or are you feeling angry and jealous about it? Right. And the thing about inspiration is inspiration should cause us to step away and do something about it. So if you are spending, let's just say, for example, two hours a day on your Instagram feed, watching all these people do all the things that you want to do yet you log off and you do absolutely nothing in order to go and do this thing that you are saying you feel inspired by. Like, what good is that for you? Now, granted, um, you might be in a place where it's just not possible right now, right? Like you might be thinking, okay, I can't do this now, but I want to do it later in life. Like that's okay. But if there's something that you could be doing right now and you're just watching everyone else do it and you're not taking that into, um, to figure out, okay, if that's what I want, like, then I need to do it, right? Then what's the point of, of watching them and, and feeling bad about yourself about, well, I can't do it because blah, 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 right? So when you're feeling inspired, you should be able to take that and put it into action or at least have a plan for down the road when you're in a place where you um, can do that, right? Check yourself if you're feeling angry, if you're feeling better, if you're feeling jealous. And then if you're, if you are, then maybe you are not being that inspired, right? Maybe you should turn that off for a little bit. So that leads us to number three. Once you recognize it, do something about it. Um, so stop the scroll, like <laughs> put your phone away, put social media away, maybe, um, consider like a social, uh, detox where you're de- decreasing your amount of time. You know, maybe you, you cut it out for a whole week, or maybe you just, um, set a time limit for like an hour, you know, whatever it might be that works for you, but it's going to allow you to take your eyes off of other people um, and focus on yourself. Like I think that um, 
social media is is good. I don't think that um, it's the worst thing that we can be a part of, but I think that it can also lead to things that maybe we don't want it to lead to. So social detox can be good. Another thing that I have recently implemented is um, stopping the scroll and praying. So when I like am scrolling through and I'm trying to limit it, like that's something that I'm working on boundaries in that area. But if I like come across someone or something and I, and I feel that I'm like, Oh, like I wish I could be doing that. But it's, it kind of like, I can feel this comparison creep in or I feel like it's not like, I'm not just inspired. Like I am really feeling bad about myself, um, or want what they have. Um, I've been just praying for them. So, um, I'll pray things like, um, like that, what they're showing is real, right? Like if they look happy on the outside in this photo, like I'll pray that they feel the same amount of joy on the inside that, that it looks like they're having, or I'll just pray like a prayer of thanks of like, Lord, thank you that you bless them with this opportunity, right? Like, um, if you see a friend go on vacation, like, Lord, thank you that they had the opportunity to go on this vacation to, um, to rest and to, you know, be restored and recovered. And that kind of like, it kind of cuts down on your time on social media too. Cause if you're stopping and praying all the time, like, uh, why am I on social media anyway? Like this prayer thing is pretty cool. Um, another like business example of that is, um, and, and I hear this quote a lot is stop consuming and start creating. Right. So that kind of goes back to our lives as well. Like if we're inspired by something and, and we see something that we want to do, like at some point when you're ready, you need to stop consuming and start actually creating, right? Start doing it. So number four, um, I'll finish off these last two pretty quick, but um, number four is to, uh, once you kind of step away from that, right? Like stop looking at what everyone else is doing and, and kind of look at your own life is do some reflection and explore your gifts, like the gifts that God has given you. I want to give an example from one of my favorite habit books. It's by Gretchen Rubin. Um, and I wouldn't say that she's a Christian author. Um, so if, if you're specific and, and really only like to read Christian authors, I don't know, you may not love it, but um, it's one of my favorite books. Um, but she, one of the things that she, um, I can't remember if it's a whole chapter, but she says, be Gretchen. And what she means by that is to like, be you. So for me, it would be uh, be Micah, right? For you, it might be like, I'm going to use really common names, like be Karen, be um, Jessica, be Rebecca, right? Be who you are. So to give an example of that, I, when my kids were first born, I would um, go to plan their birthday party and go on Pinterest and, you know, all of these other moms have these amazing parties and craft skills and like things they put together. And I remember trying to do party planning and I just don't like parties. (laughs) Like, um, they're not enjoyable to me. I don't, um, I mean, granted I like parties, but I don't like the planning. Like I don't like over the top. I don't like crafts. I'm not really, you know, just like creative in that sense. And, uh, once I was like, you know what, I'm just going to be Micah. Like I'm going to give my kids what they would probably want. Like, um, I mean, we don't spoil them with everything, but like, as long as my kid's happy, like, they could probably care less about the decorations or they could care less about, like, this fancy little fluff ball that is on there, right? So if that's your thing, like, go for it. Like, go all out on your party, on your decorations. Like, if that's your thing and you love it. But if you're doing it just because 
you feel like you have to or because everyone else is, is doing it and you're not, you know, you're not throwing the biggest, best bash, you know, of all the kids in the class. Like, really, why are you doing that? <laughs> you know, like, that's that's the kind of check you have to um, give yourself is like, why, why am I doing this? And if it's not um, just because, like, you want to or because, you know, your kid, you think you would really bless your kid by it. And stop and just like be you, right? So focus on the gifts that God's given you. Um, and kind of going forward with like this party idea, um, I've always really been into like baking. Um, so I'm a horrible cook, do not enjoy cooking like normal meals, but I love to bake. And um, so a couple of years ago, I got into baking cupcakes for the kids. So I would bake cupcakes for their parties. And um, kind of moving forward from you know, doing everything by in a box and like frosting or whatever and like moving into doing it from scratch. So I think last year I made some, maybe not last year, the year before because we didn't do any parties really last year. Um, you know, I would, I moved from like, I would make the cake from scratch and the frosting would still be store-bought. Well, this year I'm getting ready to make my daughter's cake for a little party we're having for her. And I was like, you know what? Like I have always like really enjoy this whole baking thing. I'm going to try to bake a cake for her. And so I have been having so much fun, um, you know, figuring out like how to make a layered cake, how to make the top flat, um, you know, learning how to, like, I learned about a crumb, uh, what was it called? A crumb layer where you like put a, a layer of frosting around the cake and, uh, we're all in it kind of crummy. And then you put another layer on top of that. So just like little things. And so I kind of thought about this, and I was putting it together because I was like, oh, I'm making this cake because I feel like I need to like show off or because like, you know, someone else had a nice cake or nice cookies at their party. And I, it was really nice to be able to answer honestly and be like, no, like I'm doing this just because I really want to. And Emma got to kind of help pick like what kind of cake she wanted, um, you know, what decoration she wants on it. And so she's really having fun with it, too. So it is, obviously it's her birthday, it's for her, but, um, you know, I could easily just go buy a cake and serve that, but I'm like enjoying this little, like, I don't know, new skill that I've learned and just like being able to create. But just the point of that is like, just to be you, do the things that, that you want to do, not just because someone else is doing it or because you feel like you have to measure up. So there are three questions that you can kind of ask yourself when you're exploring these gifts. The first is, what are 10 to 15 things that you've done or experienced that you are really proud of, right? So not to put your worth or your identity in those, we've talked about that, um, but just to recognize the gifts and the blessings that you've uh, been given. So uh, I'll give another example, um, like my running. I have not been a runner my whole life. Um, I was pretty active in sports, um, but I, was, I wouldn't consider myself a runner at all. For a long time. My best friend, on the other hand, she is a runner and she did like cross country in high school. Um, she's like a marathon runner. She's ran a bunch of them. She's ran the Boston Marathon. And so like I could easily compare my running to hers and be like, like compared to her, I, uh, I used to say like, I'm not a runner, right? I would go to her cross country meets and be like, I could never run three miles, right? But I, I am now. So I can look back on on myself being not a runner at all and now getting ready to run an ultra marathon and be proud of that. Like, yeah, like 
I'm now finding this new love in running and, um, you know, I've gone from zero running to longer, right? Or I could look at her running and be like, oh, I'll never compare to her. Like I will never be as good of a runner as, as her, which might be true in some ways, but I can choose to look at the downside of that of like, I'm never going to be like probably as good as her. Or I can look at, look like I have a lot to be proud of, you know? So it's okay to be like proud of yourself as long as it's not like in a haughty, um, like prideful way, if that makes sense. Like we can just feel good about the things that we've done. The next question is what are 10 to 15 things that you love doing, right? Even if you're not good at them when compared to others, um, like what do you just enjoy doing, right? So for example, baking the cake, like I'm not a baker by any means. Um, I'm definitely not using fondant. I'm sure it's not going to look perfect, but I'm enjoying the process. I'm enjoying doing it. Um, so come up with like 10 to 15 things um, in that sense that you can do. Um, and then the last one is like, what are a few things that you would like to do someday, right? So something that you maybe put off that you've thought about learning to do, um, you know, or want to do. Um, but then kind of go back and check yourself again. Like, is this something I really want to do and explore or am I doing it because I feel like I have to make sure you're doing it because you feel like it's something maybe God's called you to, or because you just have a desire to do it. All right. Last one. So number five, um, just, and this will kind of wrap it up is ultimately go back to the fact that you lack, lack nothing that God created you um, as you are for a reason and for a purpose. The devil does not want God's will to play out on earth. So he doesn't want you as a person, like as an individual, he doesn't want you living up into your purpose, right? He doesn't want the person next to you to do it. He doesn't want that person on the other side of you to do it. Like if we are all playing out our purpose, like the enemy would scream running away, right? We are we're in a spiritual battle. The devil's fighting for you so that you don't do or say or become what God's called you to. And by essentially believing his lie, and I think I said this early on, but I'll repeat it. You're agreeing with him that you're lacking. You're agreeing with the enemy that you don't have gifts that God's already given you. You're agreeing with him that you were not born with purpose. And the enemy is fighting for that. Like that is what he wants you to believe. But we have to remember that God is fighting for us too. And we are, um, we're out on his side. So James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So going back to that story in Genesis, remember like the enemy is crouching. The enemy is there waiting to tell you, Hey, look at them. They're doing that thing. And you're not, you must not be good enough. That is not true right? That is a lie from the enemy. And you have to, um, or you have the power to rule over that, right? That is all throughout the Bible. You have the spirit of Christ in you and you have the power to rule over that. Um, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. 
In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Right? So these are all the lies that he's telling you. Everything that he wants to bring against you, you can protect yourself against, against that. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So with that that last phrase, like be alert, kind of going back to those steps I gave you, like being aware of your thoughts, being mindful of the way that you're reacting to other people. Um, like, yes, we have our own thoughts and our thoughts are messy, but at the same time, like our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battle is against the enemy. And so if you are a believer in Christ, the enemy wants you and he's going to work to make you think all the things you shouldn't be thinking. So even when we think it might be our own thoughts, like there, there are enemy thoughts in there too. And so we have to be alert. And so it's, it's good to, um, pay attention to our thoughts and learn to recognize what is from the enemy and, uh, capture that and submit that to God. Right. Um, and then the other thing that I kind of pull from that whole verse, like the whole armor of God is like, all of that is going to come from knowing the truth. And if we are not spending uh, time with the Lord, like we're, if, if we're not reading the word, if we're not studying the word, if we don't know it, um, we, how can we act on it? I don't remember exactly the reference. I didn't write it down, but God says to be doers of the word, not just hearers. And so it's good to hear and it's good to listen and all of that. But if we, if we don't know it well enough to actually do it and to act out on it, then we're not putting on the full armor of God. And so pray on all occasions, get in the word, like learn it. Um, and not just to be like, Oh, I'm doing this prayer. I'm doing this Bible reading. I'm going to check the box. Like, no, you do it because there's a war going on. There's a war for you. There's a war for your mind, for your family, for your children, for your city and for this nation. The thing is, is you are on the winning side. So we're not going to agree with the opponent. We're not going to agree with the enemy about who we are or who we're not. We're going to agree with what God says we are. We're going to suit up. We're going to grab our swords and we're going to go out and fight this battle, right? And it seems like comparison is this tiny little thing, but it's not because, right? Like if you are not suited up, if you're not geared for war, if you are sitting back and feeling like you're not this warrior that God created you to be, like imagine you're like David and you're small and no one thinks that you can do it and you don't think that you can do it. Like what would have happened if David didn't go out there and beat Goliath? Like, what do you think would have happened? So we have to trust in God and the purpose he has for us. And we got to go out and we got to fight this war. So I know that took like a whole serious turn, but that's why I'm getting fired up because this is so much more than just, oh, they, you know, are better than me or whatever. Like it seems so innocent. And that's the way that the enemy likes to creep in. He likes to creep in by being like, it's really not a big deal when it is a big deal. Because the seed, the little seed that seems like it's no big deal, it's going to grow into more and more and more unless we root it out. So I'm going to be praying for y'all today and for myself that we can root out the seeds and that we can go out and fight, um, fight this fight and um, just remember that God's on your side.
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and a review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram. It's at micah.tice, that's M-I-C-A-E-H, period, T-I-C-E. And that's pretty much the only place I'm at. And I will see you next time.